the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It's the Nick T Podcast, as my friend Jason Skaggs just informed you. How are you? My name is Nick DeGilio. I am your host. Episode number 64 of the Nick T Podcast. We are part of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Best podcast network in the world, radiomisfits.com. That's where we are, and we are available on every single platform where you can get your podcast. So subscribe, download, listen, all that cool stuff. Rate and review us on every single platform. Please do. We want your feedback for the podcast. So please do that. Rate and review us on every platform. Take the time to do that. And please give us your feedback uh, with a voicemail at 773-417-6948 or an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We read them all. We listen to them all. We read some of them on the podcast. We play back some of the voicemail on the podcast as well. And again, if you want to squeak in here, because on the, on the next episode after this one, we will wrap up the whole uh, crazy neighbor story. So if you have a crazy neighbor story, if you are a crazy neighbor, or if you had a neighbor uh, in your building or in your neighborhood or living next door or living close to you who was insane, if you have some really outrageous, crazy, insane neighbor stories, get them in under the wire here because we're going to talk about uh, the rest of them. We're going to get them all in on the next uh, episode. Not this one, obviously, but the next one. So get in there now. Any uh, feedback, any questions, any comments, anything that you want to say or do on the voicemail 24-7, get in there now and uh, be a part of the podcast. And if you've got crazy neighbor stories, share them now. Voicemail again right now, 773-417-6948. Open up 24-7. Leave your messages and your comments and your crazy neighbor stories. And send us an email anytime you want, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Uh, Also, be a sponsor. We would love to have you be a sponsor on this podcast. Tons of people listen to it. You'll reach a lot of people. So if you would like to advertise with us, contact us at sales at radiomisfits.com. Say, hey, I would like to be a sponsor. I would like to advertise on the Nick D podcast. Here's how you do it. You send an email and say, reach out to sales at radiomisfits.com. All right, coming up on episode 64 of the podcast, our buddy Jim Ryan is going to join us. Um, A terrific writer, a very cool guy. And uh, and and a really and really in general, just a really knowledgeable, cool dude about music. He writes about music for Forbes, the Daily Herald, and freelance and other places. You can check him out at RadioJimRyan.com. Used to do uh, traffic for TV stations and for the Car Wash, the old stupid radio station that tries to continue to exist. Uh, the Car Wash. Uh, he used to do uh, traffic for them. But he writes uh, about music and uh, does concert reviews, has some incredible interviews. So we're going to talk about uh, what's been going on with Jim and the music world coming up. And then our old friend Esmeralda Leon joins me as she does every single episode. It is Tuesday, so that means my dad is going to drop in and tell a joke. He's going to have to push her out Hi, of the I'm way. I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. I love Felicity, and I love you. 
But anyway, uh, yeah, my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke. My dad will be 81 in about a week and a half, something like that. Telling jokes his whole life, so he's been telling them on my show back when I was on the radio and on my podcast since the very first episode every Tuesday. My dad stops by and tells one of his great, corny, awesome jokes. Dad jokes, today, coming up. But Esmeralda's going to join us, and we are going to talk about some more scary stories from a really terrific and fun book called Are You Shitting Me? 1,004 Facts That Will Scare the Crap Out of You. We'll talk about that, and we're going to jump into organic foods, organic shopping. The word organic and shopping smartly and conscientiously and uh, Esmeralda is much better at doing that than I am. So we're going to talk about the world of uh, shopping conscientiously and smartly, cooking well, and just what does it mean, organic? What does that word mean? Because there's a lot of weird sort of uh, definitions that can be thrown at it. So we're going to clear a little bit of that stuff up. So that's all coming up on the podcast today. Uh, and again, if you want to join us via voicemail, 773-417-6948. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll start with... Uh, with Jim Ryan. Uh, today's uh, the, the day that we're recording is like the first day of school for Chicago public schools. And um, I find that weird because it's we're, we're still like a week away, week and a half away from almost a week and a half. Yeah, almost two weeks away from Labor Day. And when I was a kid, we didn't go to school till after Labor Day. Labor Day always Labor Day weekend always marked the dreaded return to school. It was the final weekend for me when I was a kid, the Jerry Lewis telethon always indicated to me that it was the end of summer and that after the Jerry Lewis telethon, after I stayed up for, whatever, 48 hours straight watching my hero Jerry Lewis do inappropriate and politically incorrect things <laughs> on, his, on his telethon, that that was the cue that we were going to go back to goddamn school and we weren't happy about it. But now kids are going back to school the beginning of August, the middle of August. Private schools start early. Public schools are now starting, you know, almost uh, two weeks before Labor Day? What the hell is going on? And then, you know, my feed is loaded with smiling little kids standing in front of the door holding up a sign. And I guess that's fun. And, oh, look at that. Look at the future of the world. And, lo, look at that kid. He was once a a zygote. Now he's, you know, four feet tall. Where does the time go? I love that and everything, but I got a little sick of it. I got a little sick. And also, am I old? I mean, here's a... I am just an old man trying to get some wedges. Am I the only one who finds it... uh, creepily inappropriate and see this really does sound i do sound like an old man but there are young girls who are going off to sixth seventh eighth grade first year in high school second year in high school who who are wearing completely inappropriate crop tops now with the midriff hanging and the low pants are we in the year 2000 again obviously if you know me at all you know that i don't keep up with fashions nor do i give a shit about fashions but the last time I saw pants this low and crop tops this high was right around 99, 2000, 2001, when you're Christina Aguilera's and you're Britney Spears's and everybody on earth, all the young ladies in their 19s and 20s and stuff like that were wearing, you know, they had the, they had the midriff uh, exposing shirts and stuff. And that was a really big thing like 22, 23 years ago. And I guess it's back, judging by what I see, you know, in public and on the streets and judging by... The pictures of the we're going back to school stuff that I've seen on the Internet and on social media feeds. Uh, I know. I I know. I know. I am just an old man trying to get some wedges. But I find like some of this like eighth grade girls, like girls who are maybe 13 years old are wearing these little Britney Spears crop top, low rise jean midriff exposing shirts that I find a little inappropriate and kind of disturbing. 
I don't know. And again, I'm old, man. I'm old. I am just an old man I, I fully trying admit, to get some wedges. I am an old man trying to get some wedges. But man, there are some pictures of little kids or of young girls going back to school where I'm like, man, I, I don't know if I would allow my daughter to wear that. Um, but again, I got no control over it. I don't know what the kids are wearing. Again, if everybody's wearing it, so I guess it's okay. That's the rule. Hey, everybody else is wearing it. There are millions and millions of 13-year-old girls who are going to school dressed like that. And I was uh, at the Music Box Theater um, a few nights ago. After the movie let out, apparently there was some sort of meeting of, of young high school kids, maybe freshmen, 13, 14, 15 years old. There's a school across the street, just down the street from the, uh, from the Music Box. And there was a whole bunch of kids, and every girl had, like, the little crop top shirts on. Every one of them. So I guess it's back. I guess it's, again, we're, it's 1999, 2000. I guess, oops, we did, or, or, oops, I did it again is going to be number one on the charts again. Uh, and I guess it's okay for 12-year-old girls to walk around with their midriffs hanging out. I don't know. I find it weird. That's just me. But, again, I'm old, man. I'm old. You know, I was born a long time ago. I've seen all the fads, the fashions come and go. And I just, uh, I, I, I really didn't know that that was a thing again. I was like, wait a minute, did the calendar go back? Are we worried about Y2K? What, what is happening with the clothing? So, anyway. Anyway, hey, uh, welcome back to school, you little bastards. I hope you do well. I am tired of looking at you standing by the door holding a sign that says, first day of eighth grade, I don't care. Good for you. The, the, future, the future is happening. You're going back to school. Shit, I didn't go back to school until after Labor Day. You kids are going back early. So I feel bad for you. So I guess you should be allowed to wear whatever you want to wear if you got to go back to school two weeks before Labor Day. Seems unfair to me. All right, I've ranted and raved too much. I am just an old man That's right. trying to get some wedges. Hi, well, I'm Carrie Russell, yeah. and I love Nick's show. She still loves me. You know why? Because she's in her late 40s. That's why she loves me. She's not wearing crop tops that Britney Spears wore 23 years ago. All right. Anyway, anyway, it's just it's a, it's a little weird to me. So, hey, I'm happy for your kids. Oh, they're going back to school. So let's take 800 pictures of them standing by the front door with a backpack. That's fun. <laughs> All right. Enough of my squawking. Jim Ryan is coming up after I tell you congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackoff. Oh, we have a treat for you. Jim Ryan. On the lion, Jim Ryan. I am about to pour a big ball of Jim Ryan down your ear hole. Jim Ryan. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Have you ever met a man named Jim? Last name Ryan. Or last name Ryan. First name Jim. Well, this particular one, well, he writes concert reviews, interviews musicians, and golf fans' issues. Yeah. One of the uh, 
of the strongest theme songs that our friend Jason Skaggs has ever put together for my, uh, he put, he's, he's, he puts together Jason Skaggs, uh, not only does all the themes, the opening theme, the closing theme, the theme for Esmeralda, but he also does and composes original theme songs for my regular guests. And Jim Ryan is my regular guest. And I think this (laughs) one might be one of the best ones that he's done. Hi, Jim. Hi, Nick. Hey, you, I know that you, you enjoy your, uh, your, your, your theme song. Very much so. And I, I'm not wearing shoes at the moment. I feel like every time I hear that, I'm like, I should be wearing fancier shoes while <laughs> doing these interviews. But exactly. yes, it uh, never gets old. Well, welcome, Jim. Thank you. Jim Ryan is a uh, music critic, music writer, interviewer, covers the world of music for Forbes, Daily Herald, and up until uh, a little while ago, Chicago Now. Um <laughs> I know we don't want to get into it, Jim. We can. We can. Okay. We can uh, well, hey, it's not like I don't know what happens when um, <laughs> a big corporation led by clueless jagoffs uh-huh. comes in and ruins an institution. I don't yep. know if you know this or not, but there is a specific jagoff who works with <laughs> Nexstar who is basically shat upon WGN Radio. Um, and so I'm aware when big corporations led by clueless morons come in and fuck everything up. Um, and the Tribune that has happened to the to the wonderful Chicago Tribune, which ironically yeah. was uh, owned the WGN uh, radio at, at one point or another at one time or another. The um, irony was not lost on me there as I was pondering that this week. No. So uh, you wrote for Chicago now uh, and 12 and years, 12 years for Chicago. Now, for people who might not know what Chicago now is, uh, explained how it started, where it morphed into and what it was until yeah, it was suddenly it's, it's... done. Been around, I think, for close to 20 years. Uh, Tribune put it together kind of as the blogging thing, which has kind of, you know, declined in popularity recently. But at the height of that, they put together a website called Chicago Now, and it just brought together a lot of unique Chicago voices to blog, basically. Um, I kind of considered mine just like basically as if I was writing a music column for the Trib. That's kind of how I considered mine. But um, sports, comedy, Beer, music, culture, any anything you could think of. Um, there was, it was also there. it was also great. Uh, it provided great material for my show uh, for years uh, <laughs> because they were the most of the people who wrote for Chicago now were in the building. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. you know, and so a lot of the, a lot of the stuff from Chicago now. I knew a lot of the people. Some people worked at GN uh, who wrote for Chicago now, uh, and so it was a wonderful thing, and I loved it. Um, we didn't know what the future was when uh, yeah. the new company came in and basically did what they did to the Trib, which is unforgivable. That, yeah, that's that's how I got into it too. I was doing, uh, I was working for CLTV at the time, and I knew Jimmy Greenfield because he was doing sports yeah. on CLTV and for the Trib. He was the one who kind of launched Chicago Now in general, and until 2017, um, when he left Trib, uh, oversaw the whole thing. So I reached out to him, and he brought me in, and it was great. But yeah, I mean, it's really sad. I mean, the Trib, Trib was purchased by Alden Global Capital, which is a hedge fund. And it's just another great example of why hedge funds shouldn't have any anything to do with journalism, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what they did, well, explain to everybody what they did. Uh, it, it Just this last week, right? Yeah, at the height of the at the height of the website, it had 25 million hits a month, which is kind of mind boggling. I don't know what it was at recently, but... Uh, the, the the short version of the story is that they just, with no warning whatsoever, I'd heard rumblings that it might go away, but usually the professional way to handle something like this when you're talking about decades of work by hun- literally hundreds of writers, 
usually you don't kill off the website. You can you can take away the uh, ability to post new content, but usually the website itself doesn't just go away, you know, as if it never existed. Uh, in this particular case, that's how they went about it. They just deleted the website from existence. So, for instance, uh, 12 years worth of my work, uh, I think it was 100, 120 artist interviews and 150 concert reviews, just as if they never existed. I have no tangible proof that any of this stuff ever ran. And, you know, decent artists, too. I interviewed Courtney Barnett. I interviewed Brian Wilson, George Clinton, uh, 10 years of Lollapalooza concert reviews, all that kind of just gone. It's kind of wild. It's unbelievable. Now, do you have that stuff in your personal files though? Do you have it? Yeah, I've got like the word documents and I've got, uh, the audio saved. So, I mean, I have yeah. all that stuff, but you know, when to, to not even be able, you know, someone asks me, no, did you interview Courtney Barnett? Yeah, I did. I can't prove it to you though. <laughs> no, it's, it's ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. That's the, uh, you know, I mean, if you go to, uh, the, you know, the archives at, uh, uh GN, it's like, I never existed. I, that's so that's I mean, such it's like, and I, and I, inter- I can't tell you the number of interviews that I've done yeah. and, 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 you know, great radio that I did not because of me, but because of the guests and the topics sure. that we're covering. Um, and that's all like, you know, it's wiped out. Um, I mean, that's such a know. bad, uh, I mean, in this particular case, what, what happened too was a couple of writers posted stories about how unprofessionally all in global was handling this entire situation because the guy who was in charge of it left two months ago and nobody ever heard a word. Is there going to be someone else? Is the site yeah. continuing? Literally, yeah, yeah. they never told us anything. Yeah. Uh, two months later, so a couple of writers post, post these stories. They unpublished them, which is so unethical in the journalism world. You can yeah. you can put a note on there saying you don't agree. It doesn't represent your the, the opinions of Trib, but you, you don't take it down. It's right. just... I right. mean that's borderline. That's bordering on censorship. If Absolutely. A, a rich company comes in and buys a website and doesn't like the content, so they pull it down and then delete the entire site as if it never happened. I mean that's awful. That, it's not surprising though. I got to say, yeah. you know, when, when 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 dipshits come in who who are part of a big corporation, like the people that run that radio station that I used to work for, and they don't give a shit about the history of that radio station. They don't care at all. They could not possibly care less. They have no right. respect for it. What they've done to that station, particularly in the overnight hours, is unbelievably insulting and horrible. And right. the way they handled a lot of the firings is just unforgivable. I got a phone call, a three-minute phone call. wasn't even fired in person. I got a three-minute phone call on the anniversary of Roy Leonard's death. Oh, God. Okay. A uh, three-minute phone call saying that I was fired. It was like, oh, sorry, we're no longer going to need your services. Here's HR. That's the were call you- that I got. Were you blindsided or did oh, you completely. have inklings that it might completely. be? Okay. Completely. I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a weird time. There's a lot of stuff going on because I had missed a few days because my father was in the hospital and because of COVID was at its height at that time. Right, right. And, and that sometimes it was, I was the only, basically the only person doing a show from the studio downtown. Okay. And there were nights when I couldn't get down there because, I don't know, the bridges were up and there was unrest on Michigan <laughs> Avenue. And I right. couldn't get down there. Um, and then my father was in and out of the hospital for about three weeks. And so I missed a few nights because of that. My mom was alone. My dad was in the hospital. Couldn't visit him because of COVID. Uh, and he was in the hospital for a different reason, although COVID was terrifying to us at that time. Right. I mean, my, oh my dad, late, my dad was in his late se- They're in their 70s with cancer. I understand completely. Yeah. Just, so, you know, yep. um, and then there's this whole thing. My dad's in his late 70s. He's in the hospital. People have COVID in that hospital. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what the, you know, and so I'm a little distracted. So, yes, there were times when I missed a few nights when things were a little bit scary trying to get downtown. So it wasn't the smoothest of like periods uh, for, for the show. Right. Um, but then I get but a phone call. you're doing the show. 
I'm doing the show. And before I get, and then I get a phone call three minutes, uh, three minutes long, literally three minutes long. Uh, here's HR. You're fired. By the way, it's uh, the anniversary of Roy Leonard's death. You're welcome. And we'll pack up your shit from your office and have it sent to you. I got and two of those in, yeah. in 20, 2018. I got within, within about six months, I got two of those. And it was one, one was the company was going out of business. The other was, I was doing traffic and the other was stations were just left and right dropping traffic because everybody yep. looks at it on their phone and two, two of those calls in six months. And I went, I, I, I think, I think it's time for me to not do broadcasting. Anymore. I remember, I remember when that happened to you, Jim. I remember yeah. all of that. I mean, I was, you know, I was there for all of that and I remember when mm-hmm. it happened um, and it sucks and people don't care. Corporations, these people nope. don't care. They don't nope. care. And, uh, you know, like how it affects you or, you know, or what, and, 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 and the, the asshole who actually would made the decision to fire me, this clueless moron who wouldn't know good radio if it came up and bit him in the ass, uh, didn't even have the balls to fire me himself. Somebody else <laughs> well, made the call. Of course not. Somebody else made the call. Somebody that I know and worked with and respect had to make that call. So anyway, so now Chicago now, all that stuff is gone. That's unforgivable. <laughs> yeah, just so seriously, yeah. that's unforgivable. But mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it's a great example of clueless, rich dickheads who have no respect for anybody's work uh, and, and, and and you know what? The corporation probably didn't even know they owned it. They're like, what is this thing? Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. And Let's I mean, get rid of it. I mean, people were saying – people who would know were saying that there would be interest in selling something like that. But because it's easier, they just they just get they, rid of exactly. it entirely. So it's, it's just, just no. so ridiculous. Again, these hedge funds, it's just – it's they shouldn't have their hands in journalism or broadcasting. Well, I'm sorry that happened. I'm glad that, Thank you, you. that you have at least – you know, the core material of that stuff and the recordings and you have the articles in their, you know, in their regular form. I'm, I'm glad that you still have that access to that um, because I don't have any of the recordings. That oh, that's I, so br- like, that's so brutal, Nick. That is really, oh my God, like yeah. to not have that stuff is no. so bad. Oh, no, it's ridiculous. I'm so, sorry. That sucks. All right. Well, anyway, hey, this is a great way to start off the interview. Hi. <laughs> Such a positive. Yes. Hi, hi everybody. Have a happy day. Hey. Hey. All right. Everybody is saying. God damn it, Nick. That's right. All Eight, right. two, and sunny. It's yeah. 1242. <laughs> hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. She was my only one that went to bat for me. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Let's talk about some stuff you've been writing for Forbes, yeah. Daily Herald, uh, and RadioJimRyan.com. Uh, links, all kinds of stuff. People can read all your stuff there. Let's talk about some of the stuff that you've been writing about. Um, okay, so um, Esmeralda <laughs> and I had a lot of fun this past week mocking yes. the Blues Brothers convention thing at the Joliet okay. Prison, which happened this past weekend. Um, if you don't know this or not, Jim, Esmeralda is a native of J-Town. Um, okay. And uh, grew up there and goes back to visit. Her parents and brother still live there. And she goes back every few weeks to visit J-Town. And uh, we began making fun of this Blues Brothers convention (laughs) um, because uh, I'm not a big fan of the Blues Brothers. And uh, Dan Aykroyd now, to me, is just a a, a jagoff who shills vodka uh, and will keep keep the Blues Brothers alive as long as possible, even though uh, John died 40 fucking years ago. Um, But he just is, is determined to keep this pathetic thing going. Um, and so they had this Blues Brothers convention, which I perceived to be like a wildly ridiculous joke. And Esmeralda and I spent a good portion of an episode ago just making fun of it, making fun of him and making fun of Jim Belushi. But not some of the great musicians that would have been there. But the whole right. concept of a Blues Brothers 
convention, the whole concept of Blues Brothers still being around, Jim Belushi and John and Dan Aykroyd jumping around on stage seems uh, wildly ridiculous and awful to me. So we mocked it. Now you went to the goddamn thing, <laughs> and you had some personal uh, um, interaction. <laughs> I, with, unfortunately, I did. Yeah. Yes, with Dan and with I Jim. Can, I can confirm your your Dan suspicions. Yeah. You used you used the accurate descriptor. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But before we get to, and I, you don't have to tell the whole story since we talked about it off the air, about what a jagoff Dan Aykroyd is, like a massive, right. a massive asshole, which I'm not surprised. Um, but the event itself, like the like the event itself, please describe it. Tell me about the music, and then we'll get into the personal interaction that you had with the quote unquote Blues Brothers. But tell me about the event. I have to say, it, it the event itself exceeded my expectations because. The Joliet Prison Grounds are kind of cool. Like, obviously, it doesn't have, you know, quite the panage of, say, a uh, Alcatraz or something. But to go in and walk the grounds, I mean, it's a pre-Civil War facility. First off, it opened in the 1850s. Um, it's pretty fascinating to see, actually. So that that element of it was cool. And then the music programming they had throughout the day, they had uh, Taranzo Cannon, a local blues artist, perform. They had Curtis Salgado perform. Um, Ackroyd told the story on stage that... Cab Calloway's character, Curtis, uh, was named after Curtis Salgado. So there was there was cool stuff like that. So, I mean, in, in that element, it was a street fest kind of set within the old prison grounds. You had live performance. You had food trucks. Uh, you had all those components. So that element, I have to say, was pretty cool. They, they want to make this kind of a tourist attraction. So obviously the Blues Brothers are the strongest tie there. You don't. You don't want to necessarily lead with the fact that Gacy was also an inmate there. Um, <laughs> no. stick, stick with the Blues Brothers. Joliet Jake was there, and he had he had one he had one soiled prophylactic. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, yes, he did. Yeah. Um, but so the event itself, I got to say, was was pretty cool. Um, I liked it. I was surprised. Yeah. It was yeah. it was cool. Okay. Well, that's that's cool. And 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 but then you know you were you were able to like get to get a, 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 an interview. You were supposed to have an interview with. Just Dan or Dan and Jim? It was uh, it was just Dan. We didn't know if we, we were going to get Jim or not. Um, separate. There was a lot of cooks in the kitchen here. You had the venue had publicity people working. Dan had a publicist and handlers and stuff on site. Plus yeah. Crystal Head, his vodka company, had publicists. Uh, Jim had his own team of people. It was, and then the event had one person who was kind of running everything at site. So. That, that could be difficult to navigate it, sometimes. It's a pain in the ass, Jim. Let me just yeah. say this. Uh, uh-huh. the, you know, setting up what people think are just simple interviews is never mm-hmm. simple. You know yep. what I mean? Like I've had uh, in the years that I've done radio and in, the, in, the, in, you know, in almost a year that I've been doing this and I've had celebrities on this podcast uh, dealing with this person. This is a manager. This is a uh, this is you know, this is a manager. This is an agent. They're two different people. This is the person who is, uh, you know, sponsoring the event. And you got to go through that person who goes through that person who goes through that person. (laughs) And sometimes it gets so, like, much of a pain in the ass that Mm -hmm. at one point, this, you know, like, to to get rid of all of the let's talk to this person and go through that person and this email and that call and this text and blah, blah, blah. I happen to have gotten to know PJ Souls from Halloween and uh, Rock and Roll High School and Stripes. I've gotten to know her over the years. She's been on my show. She was on my show several times. And I met her, you know, probably about like 19 years ago. And we've kept in touch. So we just kind of cut out the middleman. There was all this stuff like, okay, we got to talk to this manager. <laughs> we got to talk to this thing and this thing. So I, uh, I texted PJ Souls and I'm like, hey, um, uh, hey, you want to do my podcast? She's like, yeah. And I said, okay, uh, how is like, I don't know, Tuesday at noon? She's like, that's perfect. Boom, done. 
Meanwhile, yeah, it's so nice. It's so nice when you can do that. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like 800 other people sending uh-huh. this and sending that to me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, I talked to PJ. It's set. You don't. Yep. <laughs> I know her. So it's set. And can't. Don't you wish everything could be yes. like that? But it yes, can't. Yes, I do. It nope, especially the on-site ones, the in-person ones. Those are. Oh, yeah. Yep. So you had a little issue, and then you finally were going to, like, I don't want you to go into the whole story. No, yes, I was a little story. Here's the thing, because basically everything we've done so far has been negative. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's been you, you you know, talking about this horrible shit that they did Chicago now, me bitching about the way I got fired by unprofessional (laughs) jagoffs, and now we're going to talk about how much of an asshole Dan Aykroyd is. So let's not... The optimistic voices these times call for, Nick. Right. <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's try this. How often does a train go by? So often you won't even notice it. Right. <laughs> All right. <Exactly>. So let's... <laughs> we'll get to that later. Why don't we talk about something pleasant? We were both at a very cool thing last week at the Music Box Theater. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, hey, wait. Real, real fast, I yeah, will yeah. tell you, there, there was one positive to come out of oh, that Blues okay, Brothers please. thing. Yeah. We hung out with Steve Cropper. Ah, now see... There you go. For people who might not know who Steve Cropper is. Yeah. Go ahead. Steve, Steve, Steve Cropper and Bones Malone. They were both, they were both in the band. Um, so Bones Malone was, was the musical director on SNL. He was, he kind of spearheaded, you know, putting the band together around them early on. Um, and then yeah. Steve Cropper, I mean, legendary Stax uh, session guy. He was in Booker T and the MGs. I, somebody, a friend of mine posted on Facebook, the, the best way to sum up, I think Steve Cropper is that. In the uh, Blues Brothers cover of Sam and Dave, uh, of I think it's is it, uh, when Sam Moore says, play it, Steve. Yeah. It's the same Steve that's on the Blues Brothers version <laughs> right, of it. I mean, right, it's insane, right. right? Like, so that's Steve Cropper. Like, it's, right. I mean, legendary guy. So he's 81 years old. Wasn't supposed to be at the event. I mean, again... Um, apparently it was Judy Belushi who called him and found him and said, I want you to be part of this. And they lovely human, for, by the way, lovely. They human. brought Dan and Jim brought him out for one song. Oh, that's amazing. That's mm-hmm. amazing. So you got to hang out with him. So we were hanging out with him backstage and I mean, he was awesome. He's, he's telling us stories. He's, he's just the most normal guy. He was so happy that anyone recognized him. It was it oh, was man. amazing. So, yeah. So, okay. so there, there's that's my good. positive one. Yeah. There you go. All right. That's cool. Steve Cropper is awesome. That's great. Yes. That's good to know. Uh, so, Courtney Barnett, who is uh, yes. one of the interviews that you lost <laughs> 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 to get back to the grumpy shit. But uh-huh. Courtney Barnett, a tremendous musician. Did you see her? And by the way, what are they calling that? Sort Village? Sort, salt Land? The, the salt, salt Shed? Oh, God. The this Salt is gonna, Shed. Don't get me. This is going to be another negative one. Do you want me to tell you what I think of that venue? <laughs> Please do. I've not been there. But is it, <laughs> and how, is it worse or better than Northerly Island? Um, so, oh, yeah. I do hate Northerly Island. Um, I do, too. It's easier, it's easier to get to. Here, here's what it is. You walk in, and it's like a big street fest. It's... One con they they pour new concrete. It's it's like you're on a street. It's about that wide with food vendors and beer vendors on each side of you. Uh, it holds about five thousand people, and in my opinion, it was way too packed up in front of the stage because they put the soundboard in the middle of this thing, but it's not back far enough. So it it has such a huge canopy and cover over it that you can't oh, see the stage God. if you're behind the soundboard. So everyone tries to get in front of the oh, soundboard. Man. Trying to get out of there a couple songs early, I was like, this feels unsafe. We we yeah. saw and this was a nice day. We were there for uh we were there for Iron and Wine and Andrew Bird and 
it was like 75 out. It's not, it was not a hot day. Yeah. We iron and wine had to stop the set because somebody collapsed near the stage. Uh, someone dropped right in front about two people in front of us. Someone passed out during Andrew bird. I'm like, this shouldn't be happening on a 75 degree day yeah. at eight o'clock at night with the sundown. Like for what people is who happening might not here? No, this is the old Morton salt, uh, warehouse. Right. Uh, that you see off of the Kennedy with the logo, the girl with the, you know, the, the Morton Salt logo, mm-hmm. big thing that, you know, that collapsed not too long ago, uh, <laughs> that they've now turned into a music venue. And, uh, right. and for people who might not know, but anybody who's driven down the Kennedy has seen the Morton Salt warehouse. And that's yeah. where this concert venue, this new concert venue is. And that's where Courtney Barnett played about a week and a half ago. Yeah, Elston and Division. Um, right. So here's my other problem. I mean, in theory, it's a cool idea. They're putting an outdoor concert venue that doesn't hold 30,000 people. Cool idea. I like that. Yeah. Along the river, along the scenic spot sure. along the river. It's cool sure. that they're doing stuff like that. You can't see the river unless you're in the <laughs> VIP section. The VIP section is on a riser, and you can't see the river because it yeah. blocks it. So if you pay, you know, a ton of money to sit in the VIP section, you can at least turn behind you and see the river. I also saw it for a second when I was trying to find a bathroom. So <laughs> also like again, and that's like Northerly Island. You it's along oh. the lake, and the only place from which you can see the lake is while you're waiting to take a piss. That's exactly Beautiful. right. Exactly Beautiful. right. Well, I'm sorry that that. Well, uh, <laughs> did you stay for did you stay for all of Courtney? Uh, so I did. I I didn't get to see Courtney there. Oh, I did okay. a couple days before that. I saw Iron and Wine, Andrew Bird, and Michelle right. Andeguiocello was opening. Oh my god! I love, wow! I love. So we get there because the ticket says seven o'clock. It started at six thirty for some reason. <laughs> ticket said seven o'clock. We walked in about six fifty, and we saw two songs. So oh, yeah, my experience at the Salt Shed was all right. just the Salt Shed. Sure. Um, you can't see the you can't see the river, and uh, and it's all cement. <laughs> By the person I was with uh, sent them an email to tell them of her experience and ask why the show would start a half hour before what was on the ticket. Would you care to guess what the response was, Nick? Um, I would love to hear it, though. I can't tell you because they haven't responded. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brand new venue. You would yeah. think maybe maybe they want to engage the customers well, that are reaching out. No, not so Well, Cor- Courtney Barnett played that Nightmare Place uh, yes. the night before she appeared at the Music Box Theater. <laughs> we talked about it because Steve uh, Procopi, who is one of my movie review buddies on my podcast, uh, he did the Q&A. They screened uh, the, the music doc, very unusual music doc called Anonymous yeah. Club, mm-hmm. at the music box um, last Wednesday night. And uh, Courtney was there and uh, did a very, a very interesting Q&A afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and so I know you're a fan. I am also a fan. What did you think of this movie? It was a, a very unusual music documentary. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very interesting music documentary in that she's the she's basically like almost the only character for ninety five percent of the film, and it's an interesting take on life on the road, right? I mean, it's it gets into topics like depression, mental health, um, and it's I I was fascinated by it because it wasn't at all what I, what I was expecting. Yeah. And it is, you know, it's incredibly personal um, yeah. from an artist who whose work is incredibly personal, but who in real life doesn't like that kind of does not want to talk, you know, is not she's right, you know, cripplingly shy at times, mm-hmm. um, filled with anxiety. And you can you know, you can hear that in her lyrics and her music and stuff like that. She's very open about it. But her personal life is her personal life. And and so for her to do a Q&A afterwards, I found to be unusual. And I thought Steve navigated it beautifully. Um, 
Uh, I was shocked she was doing a QA. and a I was uh, really me too. shocked. But, and she did such a lovely job. But the thing is, like, Steve laid down, like, a like a thing at the beginning. It was like, hey, you know, he asked her a question, like, I know that you're not comfortable with these kind of situations. And uh, when someone, you know, does gives asks you an inappropriately personal uh, question, um, how do you handle that? And she talks about that. And then she said, and then Steve says, now we're going to open up the floor <laughs> to, uh, to Q and A's in the music box audience. And the first question, the first goddamn <laughs> question was like, mm-hmm. uh, you're gay. Uh, how does it feel mm-hmm. to be gay? And how do you use, you know, and like going deeply into this stuff. Now she clearly, she's, she's not, she's not in the closet. Okay. Right. But she's never made any kind of like statement about being gay. That's not her thing. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, it's just part of her life. And in the movie, it's never, it's never really talked about. It's hinted at, but it's not something like she doesn't come out and say, I am, I am gay. I'm out. That's not, that's not what she does. Right. So for someone to stand up and, you know, and obviously a very proud lesbian, God bless her. Okay. Stands up and says this. And, and I was watching her, the reaction, and you could see her legs folded up. Uh huh. Her hand, her body, her, her body yep. language was like, God damn it. And Steve was, you know, Steve, my buddy, is up there going, not five minutes ago, <laughs> I said, <laughs> yes, he did. don't ask deeply personal questions. And this idiot jumps up and starts screaming. And then the way she mm-hmm. handled it was both lovely and brief. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the way she handled mm-hmm. that question. So what did, you, what, did you, what did you think about the whole Q&A in, in general, though? I mean, I was I was really curious to see how it was going to go because I spoke with her in 2014. Mm-hmm. So this was when she's just getting just getting started. So yeah. if she's gotten a little more used to that process, uh, I wasn't seeing that necessarily uh, yeah. at the music box. So I knew I knew from go. Yeah, I, I didn't know that going into my interview. Um, I, yeah. I knew it coming into the music box. Uh, and I was just kind of like, it's going to take a unique person to navigate this Q and A, because yeah. again, not a complaint. Like, if not everyone has to be uh, in love with the interview process, right? Like, I, it's it is yeah. what it is, and yeah, uh, yeah. you get asked a lot of stupid questions, and I'm sure it's grating. Um, so so I, I love. I, it's kind of one of the things I love about her. Like, it's okay that you're not. Yeah. You, you, you it, don't have to like embrace that part of it. I, that's what I always say. Like when people, when I get people who, who I'm, who I'm told a little bit, maybe ahead of time tipped, given the tip that they're not they yeah. don't like doing this stuff. Yeah. I'll yeah, yeah. kind of acknowledge it right from the get go. Like before we even start recording, like, sure. If we're getting into something you don't want to tell me it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, so, it's yeah. interesting because like, not only did Steve say that, like, you know, deeply inappropriate questions, blah, blah, blah. Did he lay that out there? But yeah. this person just sat through the goddamn movie, which movie. is all about that. Now, I will say this. I don't know that she sat through the movie because people were walking into that theater because I was sitting in right at the back. Oh. They were storming in like five minutes before the end. So okay. I don't know. All right. Well, I was going to say, if you sat through the movie, then that asking that question is even more idiotic. You know what I mean? Like how, you, how could you, you know, and then again, like for these people who just storm in at the end, hoping she's going to walk up there with an acoustic guitar. Right. How dare you? How dare you ask a question when you didn't watch the movie? Exactly. Sit down and shut uh, up. Uh, well, anyway, she navigated it beautifully. Steve did a great job. I love her and I love the movie and it's playing at the music box for the next week. It's called Anonymous Club, and it's definitely unique. It's not your if you're if you're expecting no, like yeah, a regular great. a regular music doc, you know, uh, documenting this tour or the recording of a record. That's not what this is. This is a, uh, a it's it's an incredibly unique, deeply personal film. 
a three-year period of touring that took place prior to the pandemic. I would almost like to see a sequel because she mentioned my favorite one of the Q and A was she mentioned that coming out of the, the being part of the pandemic has kind of changed her as she's gone out on the road now. And I'm like, maybe that's the sequel, but I can't imagine she possibly wants to go through that process for three more years of her life. You know, like yeah. how did you change as, as someone who has, you know, some, some issues with these things going on the road, taking, taking part in the promotion of a record, all those things. How, how did it change coming out of the, the, uh, the pandemic? That's, I was fascinated by that answer yeah. that she gave. Yeah. Well, it was great, uh, and I, I, I'm a big fan of hers anyway. And 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 any chance, yeah. and she's and I also automatically like her because she's a lefty. We got to stick together. So um, anyway, all right. Listen, um, I I don't want to go into the whole detail because I'm just going to bitch and moan again. But I was supposed to go to Duran Duran Saturday, and I didn't. It was Duran Duran, and uh, the opening act was Chic with Nile Rodgers. I don't even want to. God damn it, I'm mad. So how awesome was it? It was Duran Duran at the United Center, Nile Rodgers and Chic opening. That to me sounds like an yeah. absolute dream. I so uh, first for starters, I'd never seen either one of them. I, I had, I've wanted to see Duran Duran for a long, 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 long time. But as good as Duran Duran was, man, Nile Rodgers and Sheik were awesome. Yeah, like he went into this whole suite of songs he's written for other artists. Now I know he's a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. I know he's written for Diana Ross. You know, I knew he wrote "Get Lucky" for Daft Punk. I didn't know he wrote all these Bowie hits. He oh, went yeah. up. He played. He played Modern Love. He played. You know, Last Dance or uh, Let's Dance. Let's Dance. Yeah, he no, played no. He, him that, and his, with a nine-piece band. They just oh, killed this stuff. It oh, was so man. good. Man, that's so cool. And you've never, you'd never seen Duran Duran, huh? No, I, like oh, I somehow man. after all these years, uh, I was gonna go a couple years ago at Ravinia. I couldn't make it, and yeah. so I was so excited to. I've seen to him do it. I've seen him a bunch of times. I saw him. I saw him, man. Uh, loudest concert I've ever gone to is Duran Duran. It was. I got to say, it was loud. Um, my photographer brought his seven-year-old daughter, and he was in the photo pit up front. And he texted me, and he's this was before Sheik went on. There was a DJ set, um, mm-hmm. and he said to me, he goes, he texted me, he goes, "Is it loud?" And I said, "It's really loud." Like, well, yeah. When I saw them, uh, the first time I saw them was on the Seven and the Ragged Tiger tour. Okay, so we're talking the. I was listening to that yesterday. <laughs> it's a great album. Uh, yeah. At the at, at January of '85. Okay, so right at the height of their first, like when they blew up all over MTV, all over everywhere. It was at the Rosemont Horizon, as it was called then, um, and it was packed, and it was the loudest concert I've ever gone to because they because it was nonstop screaming from the girls, like they would not stop screaming. This is 1985. So they were like the Fab Five at that point. Remember, they were, well, you don't know. Oh, yeah. You were were like a child at that point. But I remember Uh, the hysteria around them, for sure. And so they had to crank up the music, and it was literally, and I've seen seen Slayer. I've seen, you know, Metallica. (laughs) I've seen Motorhead. I've seen Black Sabbath. Dinosaur Jr. Dinosaur (laughs) Jr. Several times. And still, the loudest show I've ever seen in my life was Duran Duran 1985 uh, at the Rosemount Horizon. And, uh, and it was, but it was fantastic. It was great. You know, um, and at that time it was like eighties, you know, and the whole time period was different, but then I saw them as they've gotten older. Um, and the best show I've ever seen them do was for the, the wedding album in 93, like the comeback album with, yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, ordinary world and, and come, come undone, undone and all yeah. that stuff. Uh, and, 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 but I've seen him after that, but I, and I was supposed to go Saturday, but what was their set list? Like what was Duran Duran set? Was it all like hit after hit after hit after tasty? Yeah. Hit? yeah you just forget how many hits they have. Right. And I mean, they did, they did come undone and they dedicated it to uh, Ukraine. Um, 
They did Hungry Like the Wolf second on the night. They opened with Wild Boys and went straight into Hungry Like the Wolf. I was oh, like, man. holy crap. I'm like, okay. Oh, like, talk about a mission statement, right? And then yeah. third, they rolled out their new single. I love their new single, Invincible. I do too. I do too. Or yeah. Invisible, rather. Oh, my God. It is so good. It's yeah. it's one of my favorite Duran Duran songs. They played a third and it killed. Uh, they come out and they encore with Save a Prayer in Rio. I was like... I, I I was so happy. It was it was fantastic. Yeah, I'm was, glad it was great. And uh, and, and you know, and, and again, you know, like a Saturday, I'm at home. Uh, not that I'm complaining, but I'm I'm hanging out with my folks watching Sven Gulli and my phone, the so, my social, you know, the the, the social <laughs> yep. media thing, and my feeds are all getting filled with everybody I know with videos and pictures being at Duran Duran. I'm like, son of a bitch. And and, and then I saw the set list, and I was like, son of a Bitch. And then I heard what Nile Rodgers and Cheek did beforehand. I was like, son of a bitch. You know, so <laughs> it was, uh, I'm glad it was great. And I, I had no doubt in my mind that it was going to be spectacular. I had no doubt. You know, Simon, uh, I couldn't believe how good Simon LeBon sounds. And when I go to these shows now, it seems like almost everybody's using a backing track somewhere. It's almost becomes this game of trying to figure out what am I, what am I hearing but not seeing being yeah. up there? You yeah, try yeah. to figure it out. And with Duran Duran, the the saxophone player was out there. You weren't hearing it on a track that someone's pressing on the synthesizer. Yeah, uh, everybody's out there. And Simon, when he, he gave a long speech about dedicating Come Undone to Ukraine, and you could tell he was getting kind of hoarse. Was it Ordinary by the end of World the night, or Come Undone? Come Undone I'm sorry. Or... Was, I got to check. Ordinary, I check ordinary notes, World. I would guess it would be Ordinary World. It was probably Ordinary World, yeah. yeah. But um, he was getting kind of hoarse during that. And by the end of the night, you could hear... In the songs, he was he was getting a little hoarse, but he was powering through it, and he was still killing it. And I was like, "Man, they are up there. Everything you're hearing is actually being performed on good that stage." Them. Like and I was I, like, "Good on you guys." There was, was so a period good. of time where I had to defend my love for Duran Duran, and now yeah. it, it, this happens. It's secular, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, yep. you know, like everybody hated them for a while, and then see, suddenly people went back and went, "Oh, you know what? These guys were good. Yeah, yeah, they were real good, and they were always good." Um, and I was just a little, I'm, I'm just a little disappointed that Andy Taylor wasn't with them. That's the only, right, the only right. thing. And he is going to be there, I guess, when they, when they get inducted Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. in the Rock yeah. and Roll Hall of Fame, he's going to be there. I was just hoping that he would be a part of the tour. Cause I love Andy Taylor. And, uh, you know, he was always like the maniac of the group. He was always like the, you know, cause the lead guitarist lo- lunatic of the group. The Duran Duran story to me is really fascinating, and I, I don't think they get into it enough in the Showtime documentary, but, I mean, they really were victims of, like, that MTV overexposure, like that, yeah. you know, they did have that period in in the 90s where until the wedding album, they were, and even maybe a little bit after that, they were kind of uncooled with a certain segment Absolutely. of the population, right? Absolutely. And it's because yeah. of, you yeah. couldn't avoid them. Like I said, my, my photographer's seven-year-old was there, and her two favorite artists are Olivia Rodrigo and Duran Duran. She started crying during the reflex. Okay. Aww. So she knows, she knows this stuff, but I, she goes to me, she goes, uh, she goes, what was it like, you know, in the eighties? And I said, they were like the Beatles of the eighties. Yep. Cause she knows That's John Lennon. So she knows this stuff. I said, they were like the Beatles of the eighties. And she yep. goes, really? And I said, yeah. 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 And then it's, it's then you get the overexposure. Yeah, it's it's yeah. such a fascinating right. story. And, yeah. And even the stuff, the offshoots, I love Power Station. I saw them yeah. on tour. Unfortunately, it was after Palmer left and it was Michael DeBars was the was on stage with him. Oh wow, okay. It wasn't Robert Palmer, it was Michael DeBars. Uh and he by the way, the sweatiest uh lead singer I've ever seen besides Scott Stapp of Creed. No one <laughs> no one has sweat more. If you want to see the two sweatiest lead singers in the history of music, Michael DeBars and 
Uh, and oh, wait a minute. Hold on, <laughs> hold on a second. How often does a train go by? So often you won't even notice it. Right. I was so anyway, waiting for that. Anyway, um, but yeah, and and uh, and Scott Stapp from 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 Creed. God. Uh, I was watching a live uh, Creed concert, which, of course, I know the first question is, why the fuck were you watching a live Creed concert? <laughs> I know. I happen to be a fan of Creed. But anyway, um, and I was watching it, and I'm like, is he okay? You know, like, is, <laughs> I've never seen anyone sweat so much, to the point where, like, the people in the front row were probably soaked with Scott Stapp's sweat. Sir, do you need a Pedialyte? No. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but I saw Power Station. I remember really loving Arcadia. Um. Andy Taylor had a solo record called Thunder, which kicked ass. And so I was like on board for all of that stuff. Uh, and when they came back in whatever form they were, like Roger Taylor left for a while, and then he came back, and Andy Taylor was gone, and then the, there was only three of them for a little while. Like when the, when the wedding album came out, there was only three of them in the band at that point. Right. Um, and then they changed. And then they did that weird album with all the covers on it, Thank You, which had right. all the weird covers on it, which I they still did. They did. They did White Lines uh, toward the did end. They? Uh, fantastic. Yeah, they did their cover of that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yep. So I'm a fan, man. I'm I'm a fan, and I'm glad to see that there is this resurgence in popularity, and respect is the, is yeah. the main thing. Filling uh, filling arenas again, man. If going yeah. from from Ravinia to arenas, that's amazing. Good for good for them, man. Good for yep. them. I'm glad it was cool. Uh, speaking of arenas, Soldier Field, Elton John. How many times have you seen Elton John? And and how long is this farewell tour going to go? I thought he. <laughs> I it wasn't the farewell tour like ten years ago, wasn't that? It, uh... Yeah, somewhere somewhere. Uh, Gene Simmons is is nodding in approval. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about the latest Elton John. The last time he was here at Soldier Field. Uh, they, this this tour started in 2018. Jesus Christ! <laughs> the set list, the set, none of it has changed since 2018. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. Literally, yeah. nothing has changed. Yeah. Um, but I gotta say, so I saw him three times on this tour. I saw him in 2018 at United Center. I saw him in February at United Center, and then this show. It was almost better in the bigger outdoor stadium because those songs. It really promotes how those songs are like sing-alongs right and it was almost even more powerful on some of these tracks in the bigger i never say that but in the bigger stadium with more people it was it was pretty cool it was i gotta say there was i was not bored in any way despite having seen the exact same show three times the thing about elton john is um the 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 guy has so many classic songs it's unbelievable yep i mean it really Mm -hmm. is and there was a period of time when i was a kid elton john was my favorite and i still made i mean now I, i haven't liked any new stuff that the guy's done since like 1982 like you know, but there's been like the the Leon Russell album. Have you ever listened to the the album that Leon Russell did in like the early 2000s? It's awesome. Uh, yes, it's yes, so I good. Have. It is good. I mean, but like the like the stuff that like the popular stuff and the like right. well the uh, dual like, stuff. Nothing, yeah, nothing compares to like Elton John from like 70 to like 78. I mean that shit that yeah. he did between 70 and 70. The stuff that's covered in the movie Rocket Man, like it covers right. that part of his career from the beginning. That's the stuff he's playing too, yeah. Yeah, and that's the, I mean like it's unbelievable. Him and Taupin, come on, man. Yeah. Um so yeah, and and that, and and I'm glad, you know, I'm glad he's he's out there. I, I, and so how long is this tour going to go on? Another till till 2029? What what's going on? The <laughs> the American leg wraps up in LA at uh, Dodger Stadium. Uh, the like, I think in a couple months, and then it, there are dates scheduled into the summer of 2023 uh, in Europe. Amazing! So it is it is a lengthy farewell tour. Yeah, uh, to put well, it mildly, but I've, he's, I he's got it, a new single coming out with Britney Spears too. It's crazy. It, he just doesn't stop the guy. He doesn't stop. No. But there was that period of time where there was no one better, man. Like seriously, I mean, I can't. You put on Madman Across the Water now, and it's it's th- that shit is amazing. 
It's amazing. You want to hear some some crazy? What I, I added in my article some some of the crazy chart stuff that he's accomplished. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he had he had that song at the beginning of this year with Dua Lipa, "Cold Heart," which kind of calls back to his song "Sacrifice." But it went to number one in the UK and the US. In the UK, it made him the first solo artist there to have a number one single in six straight decades. Jesus. In the US. It gave him his 58th top 40 track, which places him second behind only Elvis. Uh, And for an incredible 30 straight years between 1970 and 1999, he charted a top 40 in America from 70 to 99. That's amazing. That's insane. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's that's that you can't argue that. Although I don't think he's been relevant since 1982, but still. Uh, <laughs> there, there is that, <laughs> um, but still, I mean, there's that, there's that, there's, the, there are those groups that, w- that used to be great, but aren't anymore. And then there are, there's a, there's a subsection of that. And that's uh, groups and artists that aren't, that have been bad for longer than they were good. Right. Right. And I, Elton John falls into that category, but when he was good, there was no one better. Uh, I, and ironically enough, Billy Joel, in my opinion, falls into that category. <laughs> sure. Sure. And, Aerosmith falls into that category because Aerosmith to me hasn't been rel- haven't been relevant since the, the 80s, since the beginning of the 80s. Because I'm not a pump guy. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a fan of uh, Permanent Vacation. Or what, what, what were some of the other ones? The Pump and the other Oh, one? yeah. The Pump, Permanent Vacation, uh, and there was Nine another Lives. One. Yeah, none of that grip. shit. That's a bunch <laughs> of crap. Um, like post, post Night in the Ruts, I don't care. <laughs> So you know what's fascinating though on, on Elton John and Queen kind of falls into this category too. Like for Elton John, there is now a generation of kids who know Elton John because of the movie and because he did a song with Dua Lipa and he's doing a song with Britney Spears. Right, that's kind of crazy to me. Like it, it, Queen has it too a couple times with Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody with Wayne's World. Right, right. It's and, nuts. And, and uh, uh, well, I, th- I I would love to 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 see the generation that only knows Queen from Flash Gordon. That would be very happy. I would be. <laughs> But no, yeah, I mean, Elton John, you know, Lion King. People, the kids are like, oh, right, Lion sure. King guy. Yeah. You know? God, I didn't so, even think of Lion King. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, Jesus Christ. So, uh-huh. uh, well, anyway, Elton John, Soldier Field, playing the hits, and there are plenty of them, and I'm sure it was amazing. Um, hey, besides, like, music stuff, you, yeah. got to, you, you get to talk to some other really cool people and interview mm-hmm. some actors and actresses and, and stuff like that, behind-the-scenes things. Um, I got to meet and do the Q&A for Malcolm McDowell um, some years ago at the Flashback Horror Convention, and he was amazing. And, yeah. Uh, and told amazing stories. And I was, he, he was very patient with my obsession with the movie Time After Time. Okay. Um, because I love that movie. And I was crushed just a few weeks ago when David Warner died, um, who played Jack the Ripper in that movie. Um, and he was very patient with all my questions about Time After Time. <laughs> time After Time. Um, but, I mean, obviously, Malcolm McDowell, legend. Tell me about uh, the interview you did with Malcolm McDowell, man. Yeah, that was fascinating. He was uh, he was in Chicago for a convention uh, in Rosemont, and so we got we got a couple minutes with him, and it was just me, him, uh, my photographer, and his publicist. And so it's it, during during COVID, it was the 50th anniversary of A Clockwork Orange. So we talked a lot about that film. But the thing he was most passionate about that, and it resonated with me too, is the way that. A lot of the themes in that movie, you know, authoritarianism, all these kind of things are, are <laughs> as relevant, if not maybe more relevant, 52 yeah. years later than yeah, yeah. than they were at the time, right? And that's, I mean, he got into, uh, you know, when you have something like the Supreme Court being politicized, you know, he, he got into all the political stuff that usually nobody wants to talk about anymore. And it was it was really fascinating to hear, because I think, I believe he's a California resident now for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, obviously born in the UK. So it was, it was, it was pretty fascinating. Uh, and then it's not in my article because the recorder was off, but uh, equally as fascinating was hearing my him and my photographer have a long conversation about Caligula. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. Well, uh, Caligula for people I know is a notorious film. Um, <laughs> I I I snuck into the Davis through the back door to see that movie because um, wow, okay, it was I was fifteen when it came out. <laughs> I was 14 or 15 when it came out, and it was nobody under 18 admitted. Bob Guccione produced it. Yeah, I was just notorious, say. notorious, yes. uh, notorious movie with explicit, you know, porn- pornographic sex that they edited in later, um, <laughs> and people get disemboweled. And Malcolm McDowell does all kinds of horrible things. Helen Mirren is in it. Peter Gilgood, John Gilgood is in it. Uh, yep. It's it's ridiculous. Peter O'Toole, it's ridiculous. Um, but I snuck into the Davis. I knew how to get in through the back door before when the Davis was a dump. Right, yeah, you know, right. As I know, now it's crazy. And I busted, yeah. I busted into the back door and snuck in and sat in the first row. I was 14, and I was the only one in high school who saw Caligula. That's um, outstanding. It's great. But yeah, Malcolm McDowell, he answered questions about that, too, at the Q&A, because people, of course, are going to ask about Caligula. But he's very right. cool about it, man. He's cool about all of his movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, obvi- it's weird, because you know what I just saw last night, uh, late night at the Logan? I went to go see Battle Royale, the Japanese film. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, and as, as I was watching, I'm like, wow, this is a little bit... Uh, Appreciant too, um, you know this. This one really, this movie like Clockwork <laughs> Orange, and it's similar. There's a lot of stuff in it that's similar to Clockwork, um, where you watch it and you go, "Oh, oh, we're getting close to documentary time here." Uh, <laughs> Amazing, so, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating yeah. when that stuff happens. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's wild. Well, that's cool, Malcolm McDowell. By the way, all of this stuff, the reviews, all that stuff, all available at Forbes uh, and at uh, Daily Herald. You write for Daily Herald, but at Forbes, you got the Malcolm McDowell interview. You talk with uh, Chris Stapleton. At Wrigley, uh, yep. Are you in the show? Yeah, you read the, you show, read the but... show. Elton John at Soldier Field. That's there. Um, Motley uh, Crew, Motley Crew, where you caught COVID. <laughs> you caught COVID at the Motley Crew concert. Do you want to do you want to continue our, our negative uh, thing today? Uh, yes. No, because got... we're running we're running out of time. But you caught COVID because of Motley Crew. Let's blame it on all, Motley Crew. All you and I have done for like three years, four years, is make fun of Vince Neil. Right. And yes, I go to Wrigley Field and I catch COVID. So That's yeah, right. It's all, it's all because of Vince Neil. I think it came mm-hmm. from Vince Neil to you. That's what I think. Karma. Karma. <laughs> it could, that could be it, yes. Um, so, and speaking of, uh, of shows, and you know, we were talking about uh, you know, Duran Duran, I'm going to see Boy George and Culture Club. I Indiana. think I'm going. I'm, it's another one I've never seen. I'm so excited. I've never seen them either. I'm so excited. And this kind of came yeah. out of nowhere. I... I re I connected with a girl that I knew many, many, many years ago. And we just kind of connected and she's like, Hey, you want to go see boy George and culture club? I know it's probably dumb. And I was like, no, it's not dumb. We're going. No, not at all. Not so we're going to Ravinia to see boy George and culture club. And I couldn't be more excited. And that's going to be on Friday. I asked to review it. Uh, I haven't gotten uh, an official answer yet, but I'm crossing my fingers. Nick. Okay. Well, let me know if you're going to be there. Let's, uh, let's I hang will. out a little bit. Okay. That'd be awesome. Let's not miss each other. Like we did at the music box with Courtney <laughs> Barnett for Christ. Yeah. Sake. All right. Well, listen, thanks so much uh, Thank for, you. for everything. And again, Daily Herald, Forbes, RadioJimRyan.com is where you can get connected to all that stuff. And the reviews and the interviews are all there. And we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. And uh, the next time we talk, let's let's both talk about how great Boy George was. I hope we can. That'd be awesome. Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Nick. All right. There you go. Jim Ryan. Uh, always a blast to talk to him. Again, Forbes.com. DailyHerald.com and uh, connected to all of those reviews and interviews and concerts and stuff, RadioJimRyan.com. And he'll join us again uh, probably in a month or so to talk about the latest in music, concerts, and interviews. Great guy. All right, we go from one great guy to a great woman, the one and only Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda, yeah. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. 
There she is. Hey, um, so before we jump into some stuff, we are uh, going to talk about uh, some uh, organic uh, products that aren't really organic, and you're going to give me some insight on that. Mm-hmm. We also have some scary stories from the Scare the Crap Out of You book, but these all involve lies. Mm. We want to get into that. My dad is going to uh, stop by and uh, and uh, and tell it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. (laughs) Hi, Carrie. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Yes, you do. And I love her. Uh, And she she usually has to get pushed out of the way so my dad can actually get in to tell the joke. But he will be here. Well, because she wants to to tell you how much she loves the show. She loves me in the show. So anyway, uh, so my dad will be here to tell a joke, and that's coming up as well. And speaking of my dad, you were just telling me that you saw my dad at the Jewels. My dad works yes. bags groceries uh, at the Jewels. He's been working at that Jewel for, my God, uh, 15 years, I think, almost. Oh, it's wow. It's been that long. And uh, he is he's, he still works there. He's like going to be 81. He still works there three, four nights a week. Irving and Narragansett. Irving Park and Narragansett. That's mm-hmm. the Jewel. Dunning Square. And Yeah, you there's st- quite a little mini mall. There is. There's like a... T- is it a TJ Maxx in there or? Uh, I no. don't. I didn't see a TJ Maxx. There's a Burger King, a Dunkin' Donuts, I believe. There's a there's, what's that? There's like a shoe? bunch of stuff. There's a really fancy nail place. Yeah, <laughs> I walked by. There's a bank. Uh, there's a there's oh, a, a shoe. boba tea. A shoe place like a mm. uh KB. No, not KB. Is KB shoes? Is that a shoe place? Uh, I have no idea. Well, there's a shoe place. I didn't look there. that hard. <laughs> and then across the street is the um uh the Polish restaurant slash banquet hall slash uh salt caves where you can go you know the salt caves that you can go into Oh really? And, yeah, right across the street there you can go there and get all uh you know get cleaned out. Huh. Go in and and sit in the sit in the salt caves and uh, you know and and what what do you call it? What is it? Detoxify that whole thing. Yes, yes. You can yes. do all of that. You can do that. In the, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the Polish caves right across huh. the street from the jewel there, where well, you can get then. in and do your detoxing, do detoxing and hanging out in the salt mines and the saunas and the caves and all that stuff. Interesting. It's, like, it's quite a quite a it. quite a stunning little area that Dunning. <laughs> So, but anyway, you went in to that Jules. You had to stop in there for a couple seconds mm-hmm. to pick something up. And uh, you were in line where my dad was bagging groceries. Yeah. And you saw my dad. I did. I almost and, didn't recognize him, and I had to, like... Well, he had a mask him. on. He always wears a mask. He also had a um, a name tag that said Nick. So then I went, okay, that's Nick. <laughs> that's my dad, yeah. He wears a mask. Like, that. Uh, that solidified it. And uh, so you you said hello to him, mm-hmm. 
And what was his response? He told you a joke, right? Yes, he told me a joke. Mm-hmm. He said it was good to see me. <laughs> right. And I guarantee you he didn't remember you. <laughs> I guarantee you he didn't remember you. Which is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like I told you earlier, I was like, I think we've only met like twice. Yeah. <laughs> in who knows how many years. Yeah. So. Well, my dad, my dad, his memory is not what it used to be. Um, right. And, and, you know, he's listening to this right now and he knows that. And uh, and I, I guarantee you that he did not know who you were, that he did not know you were Esmeralda Leon. I guarantee you that because I saw him <laughs> the next day. You saw him on Friday. Yes. I was with them all day. We went to a movie. We hung out. We had dinner. We watched TV and stuff. I was with them all day. And not once did my dad mention that he saw you at Jewel. So I guarantee you that he didn't know who you were. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he played it well. <laughs> he sure you well. That's his thing though. Like he's got to play he's got to play to the customers because everybody waits in my dad's line to talk to him and to get a joke. That's like the thing. Yeah. When you go to the Jewel at Irving and Narragansett, you want your your groceries bagged by Nick because he's going to laugh and tell you a joke. And he does exactly. it so many times during the course of a 4 or 5 6 hour, you know, 6 hour uh, shift. He can't be expected to remember everybody he tells a joke to, and my dad's memory is right. pretty much shot as it is. So he's right. Not he's got to remember the jokes, so. right? It's more concerning. He's, he doesn't care who he tells the joke to. You know, he's not going to remember that. He's got to remember the joke. Mm-hmm. And he told you a pirate joke. Do you remember what? Yeah, it was like, what did the pirate say? I forget. And it probably had something with. It probably had something like "arb." Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, something. I okay. couldn't really hear it either. So. Yeah. So we were both, you know what? We were both. <laughs> he couldn't remember me. I couldn't really yeah. hear him. You had masks on. My dad doesn't, you know, he's got a mask yeah. on. And you didn't know it was him, even though you saw his name tag. Well, he'll well, be no, here. I did he'll... know. And then I it solidified it with the Nick yeah. name tag. So right. Went, oh, okay. No, that's Nick's dad. Right. And then he still had no idea who you were. <laughs> well, no, I didn't go, hey, Nick's dad. <laughs> it's Esmeralda Leon. You didn't do that. Yeah. I the next went, oh, time, oh my gosh! The I, next time, I thought it was you. I thought it was Nick's dad. I'm like, oh look, you're here. It's Nick's dad. Yeah, and then he <laughs> had no idea who you were. So, uh, right. I, I, no, I guarantee you. So, what you need to do the next time is say, "Hey, it's me, Esmeralda." <laughs> Esmeralda from the Nick D podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe you might have to even go that far. You might have to give him your last name. You might have to give him your social security oh number, just in order for him to jar something loose. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's really funny is like I'll mention something. I'll, I'll hang out with my parents and I'll hang out with my dad and I'll say something to him. And then ten minutes later, and you know, you know, God bless him. He's eighty. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll mm-hmm. say something to him, and then literally ten minutes later, he'll go. He'll ask a question. I'll go. I just told you that ten minutes ago. You know. And so he'll be like, oh, okay, all right. And, I'm, and then like he'll, another 15 minutes will go by and he'll, you know, I'll, I'll remind him. I have to remind him again what I said 15 minutes mm-hmm. earlier and then 10 minutes earlier. So the fourth or fifth time I say it, I have to remind him again. Except I could just go to him at one point. I can go, uh, exactly what aisle and what shelf is borax at the Jewel? And he'll tell me. <laughs> well, that's aisle 13, two feet, two feet down from the floor. So there's a special unit next to it. And, an, uh, and there's also an aisle stack of uh, borax there right now. So he knows that. See, but well, because one, there's only so much space up there. Right. So this is right. like I. That's what I think because I can't right. remember a lot of things. No, I don't. Like, no, no, no. It's not enough. There's not enough space up there for everything. Yeah. So I, I just have find to it prioritize. I, I just find it amusing that like when he's at home, he can't remember anything. But like, uh, yeah, a Saran wrap. Well, that's aisle eleven, a third shelf down from the thing. He knows all that shit. 
But like, you know, <laughs> like something I'd say five minutes earlier, he won't remember. But, you know, oh, yeah, we're no, I think we're completely out of uh, Hungry Man dinners. I just looked and I, I remember those being out at the Jewel. <laughs> you know, OK. All right. Well, all right. There you go. Anyway, well, uh, what was that? I mean, he did, you know, he, he did do what he normally does. He greets people with a smile, makes everybody laugh yeah. and happy. Uh, but I guarantee you, he didn't remember you. He didn't know who you were. So, okay. <laughs> so the next time, really, you got to go so far as to say, hi, Nick, it's Esmeralda Leon. Go that far. Okay. Got it. Because otherwise got he's not going to have any idea who you are. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> God bless him. Uh, it's, it's the best. So, but I, I always find it amusing. It's like, yeah, okay, Dad. I mean, you can tell me, <laughs> you 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 can tell me where the Roach Motels are at the Jewel, but uh, you don't know where you don't know where the Pepper Shaker is in the apartment. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, anyway, all right. Well, there you go. You want to visit my dad? Uh, he'll tell you a joke, and it'll be fun. And he's the best, and he's there all the time. Um, all right. Hey, um, do you do you enjoy liars? <laughs> No, um, sometimes if it's Jim Carrey in that movie where he can't control his mouth, that's funny. Liar, liar. Yeah. <laughs> Although he's not a liar because he can't lie. He has to tell the truth the whole time. Yeah. Right. That's a funny oh. ass movie, by the way. That is a funny movie. That was it. That was in that stretch in the mid nineties uh, when he did like six, seven movies in a row that made billions of dollars and he was funny in all of them. Remember that? What were the other ones? Ace Ventura, the two Ace Ventura movies, Dumb and Dumber. Um, oh, okay. The Mask. Like the Mask. Liar, all Liar that. is like more separate of that, but I guess not. It was during that <laughs> string, man. It was during that string, like where he mm. everything he touched was gold. You know, I mean, like, like once Ace Ventura kicked off and then he followed that with The Mask and then Dumb and Dumber and then all of those movies and all the way Liar, Liar, um, all of that stuff. And Liar, Liar was great because the weekend that Liar, Liar opened, the Friday that Liar, Liar opened. Mm-hmm. was the weekend of the Academy Awards that year, and he was a presenter. And so when Liar Liar, because the, the Academy Awards were that Sunday night, and, and Liar Liar had opened two days earlier, it opened on that Friday, okay? So he walks out, and this is like his, at this point, Liar Liar is probably the fifth movie in a row that opened up number one at the box office with millions and millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So he's a presenter. So they say, ladies and gentlemen, to present the award for blah, 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 Mr. Jim Carrey. And he comes out and he just walks out and he's got this incredible suit on and he walks out and he just stands there. Uh, before he even gets to the mic, he stops in the middle of the stage and he puts his arms straight out. You know, like I am, I am God. You know what I mean? Like he puts his mm-hmm. arms straight out and he just stands there with his arms out, big grin on his face. The place is going nuts. Blah, blah, blah. He walks up slowly to the microphone, stands there with his arms out, just soaking in the applause, slowly puts the arms down. He goes, so how was your weekend? And it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was the weekend that <laughs> Liar Liar like broke boxes. So how was your weekend at the, at the Academy Awards? That kind of sums up that time period for Jim Carrey. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was in Simon Birch. Oh, please don't mention that. He's barely in it. He's barely in it. The flashback structure. Because that, oh, God, that's my favorite John Irving book, and they completely destroyed it. It's based on a prayer for, it's based on a prayer for Owen Meany, which is not only my favorite John Irving book, but one of my favorite books of all time. And they, you want to talk about screwing up and destroying (laughs) a great book. Oh, Oh, 
my God, I was beside myself with hatred for that movie. Have you ever read uh, Prayer for Owen Meany? I haven't, no. It's the best. It's one of my favorite books ever. One of the greatest books I think ever written. And the best thing that John Irving has written. And John Irving has written a lot of great books. And man, did they fuck it up. Oh, my <laughs> God. I mean, first of all, it's called Simon Birch. First of all, it's not even the name. You know, not even called Owen Meany. It's not even called A Prayer for Owen Meany. So, anyway. Yeah, he's in it. But he he's only in the movie at the beginning and the end. Okay. Like he, he, the sort of the flash, it's told in flashback and he's the catalyst for which the flashback is told. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, in the nineties he was in, God, I'm, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. Um, uh, yeah. so after liar, liar, well, okay. So it did, it started with Ace Ventura. Mask was next. And then the mask, dumb yeah. and dumber. Yep. Uh, Batman forever. Right. Yes. Okay. Batman forever. The Can, Riddler. Yep. Uh, then another Ace Ventura. Right, the, the sequel uh, to Ace Ventura. Cable which, guy. Cable, well, that bombed, but it's brilliant. That's, but, you know, in, in yep. thinking about it after the fact. Yep, no, it's great. Yes, yep. He did, he did a great job. Uh, Liar, Liar. Yep. Uh, and then he did The Truman Show. Okay, The Truman Show, great movie. And, uh, and, and what, that Man that was on the, the f- Moon. Yeah. It was 99. And right. then that rounds out the, the 90s. There you go. Um, that's amazing. That's an amazing run. And Truman Show, I remember when Truman Show came out, everybody was like, ooh, he's getting serious. Because it was a serious, Truman Show's a serious movie. And it's right. not that broad, crazy, mugging, over-the-top comedy that yeah. Jim Carrey was known for. Well, and for. then he did Man on the Moon. Where, where, which, in which he, is, he, he, you know, silly, but, you know, he was still. He played Andy drama. Kaufman, and he's great in it. Um, and then, like, uh, then, then stuff started to get, like, he did Bruce Almighty. Um, yeah, me, myself, later, and Irene. Which is funny, I think. Everybody hates How that the movie. Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> the Majestic? Yes. Um, um, a uh, a, re- a really terrific movie. I want to say Frank Darabont made that movie. Um, and it was, I, if I remember, God, I think it was based on a Stephen King story. And it was a, the Majestic. It was named after a movie theater. Um, that was the, oh right I remember the movie theater bit it was central to the plot the of the movie trailer yeah. yeah that was another sort of stretch for him because it was serious um, and it was really heartfelt and kind of a heartwarming movie mm-hmm. I remember liking uh, the majestic I remember liking that one um yeah well that was the not the start of the serious but yeah Truman Show and then he did that one mm-hmm. and then I think he kept going. Yeah. He did, and, and he, for a while his uh, stuff dropped off. But that period between ninety four and between ninety four and ninety nine, unbelievable. Like in terms of box office, all those ones in the first like six movies in a row, they all. We were did like, Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, That's terrific movie, mind. great movie. Yeah. So yeah, he's had an and interesting had career. A series of unfortunate events, which I loved him in, Is and I good? love that movie. I loved, and I know that most people like the Netflix series, which starred uh, Neil Patrick Harris in that role. Oh, but right, yeah, yeah. I love the movie. I absolutely love that movie. Um, yeah, uh, Lemony Snicket. I thought that movie was great. It was one. It was actually on my top ten list the year it came out. I would say two thousand five, maybe when that came oh. out. Two thousand six. I love that movie. So. But he was a liar and then had to, like, not lie anymore in Liar, Liar. Are you ready for right. some f- facts about liars? Or <laughs> sure. All right. Here we go. Uh, small lies told over text messages such as can't talk in a meeting are called. Do you know what they're called? That's no. a, a, a little question for you. I, I, apparently, there's a name for them. 
Yeah, I was going to say a text message. Like, a small, <laughs> here's a small line uh, of this, that, that you tell you, like, like in, for instance, obviously, like I just said, can't talk in a meeting when you don't want to text mm-hmm. with anybody. Yeah. Those are yeah. called, you ready for this? Butler lies. B-U-T-L-E-R as in, lies. as in the servant. Butler lies. Is that... Does I don't know where it comes why? from. Nope. It, that's all. Just a quick fact. These books, this book is just filled with bullet point facts. So I guess it's Butler us. It's, 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 it's called Butler Lies. That's what small lies over text messages such as can't talk in a meeting are called. Butler Lies. Oh, uh, okay. So this isn't just, this isn't just text messages. Okay. Um, but th- that works perfectly. Like that is kind of the definition, but it doesn't have to be over text message. It, Butler Lies includes the strategies of using deception to avoid interaction and to take leave of interaction. So you could do it in person. <laughs> I'm cl- I'm really good at this, by the way. You could also do that in person. Like I am really, I am quite good at Butler Lies. Now, does that uh, include... What happens... Does, what? Does that include... Uh, does that include the Irish goodbye? Um, well, no, because you, you're not lying there. You're just You leaving. just leave. <laughs> you're not, yeah. This you're giving like you're saying. I got gotcha. you. Know, you're lying to leave. But the because the Irish goodbye for years when I was you know a drinking man and hung out in bars, they used to mm. call it digilioing. <laughs> Did wow. you get digilioed? Because I'd leave. I just leave. There were there were like because if I would be like, where do you go? Yeah, I just exactly and like especially at Simon's because Simon's had the back door that you can go out, and mm. I lived I, and I could walk down the alley, cross through the two streets, and I'd be home. When I lived oh, there, there you go. And so, like, the, the you know, place would be packed. Everybody was drinking. Maybe I hit my limit, which was quite a lot, Esmeralda, as you know. Um, but maybe I'd had enough, and I didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. And the bathroom was right next to the back door. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The bathroom was right. The men's room right next to the back door at Simon. So I would like walk off. People would thought I'd go to the bathroom, and then about a half an hour would go by, and they go, "Where do where Nick?" Yeah, it's always um. I mean. <laughs> It's just that sometimes, like, you don't want to say goodbye. <laughs> I just want to leave. Yeah. It's going to be a long time. Yeah. And you don't want to, like, you got to go find people. Right, right. And they keep be there because they keep talking. Ugh. That's exactly like, why. I'm, the, I'm, you know, I'm leaving. Like, that's I'm, exactly I'm, why I would pull the digilio. Like, it would be those nights when the bar was packed. Like, you know, like maybe after a performance at the factory. So there'd be like right. cast so members so and many. audience members. And I was a regular at Simon's. I knew everybody there. I knew the staff. Right. I knew everybody. So I would go. I wouldn't even say a word. I'd go off to the bathroom and then I'd like I'd take a piss and then walk right out the back door after I was done. <laughs> Not say a word and leave. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So. I have a friend who does that, too. Yeah, that's they call it the Irish goodbye. And, things, and we're the, just like, where did he go? No, that's exactly. I mean, the thing, and then with him though is he doesn't have um, a cell. He doesn't have he doesn't have a cell phone. Oh man! So wow. you can't even like be like, where did you go? Right. Well, this was pre <laughs> when I did this. The best. This was pre cell phone. <laughs> the next morning. This was pre cell phone oh. when I did this. This was back when it was pre cell phone, and and I was very late to the game. I didn't get a cell phone until two thousand seven. Mm. Um, didn't get a cell phone until 2007 and didn't get a smartphone until 2013. So I didn't, <laughs> I, I was way late to the whole cell phone thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but they used to be called Irish goodbye, but we used to call it the Oh, did you get the last <laughs> night? Cause I would just leave. 
Um, but yeah, Butler lies. All right. Uh, all right. How about this one? Unbroken. Here's now. Here's one that's counter to what we I think naturally think, Esmeralda. Okay. Unbroken eye contact is not a sign of honesty, but a good clue that someone is lying. So if you get too much unbroken eye contact, uh, someone is covering their ass, and that's more likely lying than telling the truth. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I could see that. Well, also, when people lie, the eye contact gets weird, mm-hmm. I think. Like, it's not natural. When you're talking and you're just talking, and whatever's coming out of your mouth is truthful, at least to you, uh, your your eyeballs don't, like... I feel like when people lie, it's like it gets a little more stare-downy. And it's like, don't... <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. Yeah, I see what... No, you're lying to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I always find... I mean, I guess when someone's trying to overcompensate, they'll, like, look right at you. Like, if you're... Exactly. You know, it, it, like, if someone is, like... Like, let's say that, you know, you're caught in a lie. It's your girlfriend, and you, you went out and banged somebody else. And then, like, you, you know, mm-hmm. she's, like, she's catching you, and you're, like, looking at her directly, deeply into her soul, going, no, I swear to God. Yeah. I didn't do it. I wasn't with her. I promise you, I'm not lying. And then you're looking directly at them. And then the girl goes, no, man, you're so full of shit because you never look at me. You never, ever look at me in the eye like that ever. So you're clearly lying. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good example though. (laughs) Something when it's stuff like that. And they're like, just staring at you. It's like, yeah. no. Like, su- oh, suddenly. Yeah, exactly. Right, Esmeralda? You're dating somebody who never makes eye contact with you, and then suddenly they're looking deep into your soul. <laughs> they're just right? staring at you like a psychopath. It's right. like, nah. <laughs> yeah, you're clearly full of shit, man. You are clearly full of shit. God, men are stupid. Okay. Um, they're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. They're stupid. Oh, how about this one? Terrible. I like this one. I like this one, Esmeralda. What do you feel about this one? Mm. Maybe we won't even get to the organic thing because there's so many great lie things here. <laughs> we might even we, yeah. might, we might have to save the organic thing for another time because that involves lying too. Because I wanted to talk to you about the fact that you can right. slap the word you can slap the word on any product and call it organic, even if it's not. And I wanted to talk to you about that. I mean, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me. Well, give, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's like a huge guidelines or whatever the hell. There, there are not like laws, like yeah, they're not (laughs) the organic police. (laughs) Like, there's not someone like really watching it, watching over it. Who, who would be on? If okay, here's here's a great one, Esmeralda for an for Esma Olis, Esma Olis production. Okay, (laughs) the next Esma Olis production will be the organic police. All right, who gets cast? Think about this. Hmm. Who gets? Who would like stereotypically? I mean, I imagine like. Like, oh, what's her name? Uh, she has that. She runs that company now. It's called Honest. Uh, uh not, she, not Gwyneth Paltrow. In, uh, not Gwyneth Paltrow. No, although Gwyneth Paltrow might be in the organic yeah, police. I would think because the goop. Um, She's got the goop. Yeah. And, her, and she puts what stuff in her, her vagina all the time. Name? She sticks stuff in her vagina. That's she's, what she does. She's in <laughs> Honey. Remember that movie? <laughs> oh, Jessica Alba. Yes. Yeah. She runs a whole company, like it's everything, like baby stuff, uh, soap, right. makeup. I, food, it's like everything. Okay. So I would think she's on the squad. She's she's, she's in the, the she's in the movie squad. The Organic Police. She's one of the leads. By the way, it's funny that you that you mentioned. I love that movie. Honey, Honey I love that movie. It's terrible. But I had I love a 
I had a friend who was like huge crush on Jessica Alba. Sure. And for some reason at the radio station, we were given swag of or promo stuff, you know. Yeah. And it was a folder from Honey. I kept it for so long because I wanted to give it to him and I never had the chance. And I think I think you I finally s- got rid of it. Oh, I was going to say you got to give it to me. Yeah, I think I don't think I have it anymore. <laughs> Oh, but I kept, man. and I would see him, and I'd be like, oh, if I knew you were here, I would have brought you the... <laughs> yeah. I remember when Honey came out. I remember when Honey came out. I want to say it was, it had to be late... It was early 2003. 2000s. Late 2003. Yeah, somewhere around there. Because the we were doing a play. I was doing a play called Here Comes a Regular, and it was at the Stage Left Theater by Wrigley Field. It's not there anymore. And mm-hmm. there was a parking lot right next to the theater, and so there was a, there were, there was a billboard where they would slap posters up, you know, like mm-hmm. they would slap posters up on the and when Honey came out, it was plastered all over the side of our theater, posters for it. And mm-hmm. and at that time, Jessica Alba, like 2003, Jessica Alba was like, you know, ooh, hubba hubba. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, she was she was the, still beautiful. The she's, girl. Yeah, she's still beautiful. But when she burst onto the scene, like it was right around when Honey came out. And uh, here comes a regular with six guys in the cast. It was just <laughs> It was just guys <laughs> and, you know, and I directed it. So there was no, we had a female assistant director. Allison was our, mm-hmm. our, our AD because I wanted a, a woman in there to, to every once in a while, you know, as I was directing and acting, because I acted in it too, to every once in a while to go, hey, asshole, uh, why don't you try adding this and changing this, you moron. You know what I mean? Like I wanted a yeah. woman there to slap <laughs> me around. So, right. Um, so anyway, every time we would walk, <laughs> we would walk into the theater for, for, you know, uh, for, for call, because our call was obviously an hour before curtain. So we'd get there at about seven o'clock, curtain was eight. We'd get there about seven o'clock. And every single time we'd walk in there, they're like, honey, hey, how about that honey? Huh? Honey. Because we would, we would look at the posters and just talk about <laughs> the first 10 minutes would be a bunch of jagoffs, you know, uh, in the theater talking about how hot Jessica Alba was on the honey poster. So that's what I remember the most about, <laughs> about that. Oh, but yeah, she would be an organic. What guys would be in the organic, uh, Clooney? Uh, Would Clooney be in the organic police? No. He doesn't seem... He doesn't seem like in there. Maybe Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah. My man. All right, all right, all right. Wandering around barefoot, playing the bongos. Say, man. You realize that, that, honey, that Jessica Alba is holding? That's uh, that's organic, man. That's That's uh, from my my backyard. I I made it myself. I've I've got... uh, 14 bee huts in my house <laughs> bee huts and, uh, bee huts bee hives uh, I call them I call them huts because I like my uh, I like my bees to be relaxed man um <laughs> oh I so, could see that he could oh, totally hey man he could do it uh, listen man I don't think that's organic man I think that's a lie man that's not cool mm, yeah I'm trying to think of like <laughs> You gotta keep living, man. There isn't really any, is there? <laughs> Men, at least, who are like, like real. For- he, I, I would definitely, you definitely. Know. McConaughey for sure. McConaughey yeah, he for seems, sure. Yeah, he seems like it. Even if he isn't, he would be good. I remember. I remember. I remember. Uh, he was on Oprah one time. Shocking. He was on Oprah one time, mm. and they were at his house, and he like gave a tour of his house. I was like, man, this is where I shoot pool sometimes, man. You know. Um, this is where my wife and I watch TV, you know, and he was doing that and he did a tour of his fridge. He opened up his fridge and he's got one fridge. And this is when I knew I loved McConaughey. Well, I knew I loved him since the day I saw him in Days Confused 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, but 
he opened up his fridge and it was loaded, Esmeralda, loaded. He had like one fridge because, of course, he's rich. So he's got like 27 fridges in his house. Right. Of one course. of them was exclusively just for pickles. <laughs> <laughs> he cares about his gut he health. Opened up. He opened up. And he's like, oh, man. Oh, man. I love me some pickles. See? And he, uh, he cares about his gut health. So, yeah, he would be on the organic police. <laughs> He but he had like fermented he like, pickles. He was like, he I wants make like my, a good, healthy pickle. Yeah, I pickle my own and I buy See? them at the store. Yeah. I order them. Look at this one. He kept pulling out different flavors and different types of pickles. Like it was like a five minute segment of Matthew McConaughey wow. going, man, look at this pickle, man. I, I would love, I would love for Matthew McConaughey to, like, I would have food and I'd be like, what do you, what kind of pickle do you recommend for this? All right, man. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> oh, he could to... be a, he could be a pickle sommelier, like a, a pickle yay. <laughs> yeah, pickle yay. Pickle yay. Uh, I think, I don't think. I don't know, know what kind uh, of restaurant that I'll would t- be, I'll, but. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, as I'll tell you something, Esma. Uh, don't think you ought to go deal on that. Uh, <laughs> you ought to go. More uh, bread and butter. You ought to go a little bread and butter. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, that no. Would he, be, oh. <laughs> I love Matthew McConaughey. You know this. He's the you know. Yeah. I mean, I love Matthew McConaughey. And and that period of time when the reconnaissance happened, the reconnaissance happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when suddenly he was like doing like he he had all those movies where he's like you know with Kate Hudson and you know and Sarah Jessica Parker. He's in those terrible like romantic comedy movies that he made oh right yeah for a stretch and then suddenly like he's in mud he's in uh killer joe he's in dallas buyers club he's in true detective remember that whole stretch where it was like holy shit this guy's great you remember when everybody suddenly was on board a lot of just like yeah winning emmys and oscars (laughs) yeah like doing the best shit wolf of wall street like he's the best thing in that movie and and then there was that whole stretch they called it the reconnaissance because there was like a reconnaissance of, of Matthew McConaughey. Oh my and, and, uh, and I was like, all people were like, man, he's great. And I'm like, fuck you. I've been there since the beginning, man. I was there. <laughs> oh, no. I, you're one I, of the, Oh, God. Yeah. I was there when How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days was making. I saw that. I went you're to see. Like, you're posers. That's right. Y'all you're a poser, posers. man. I saw Sahara twice, man. Oh, Kiss no. my ass. <laughs> oh, God. No. Uh, Patron saint of the Nick DeGilio show. Patron saint, I get, Yeah, I could uh, see that. Opens up every episode, too. All right, all right, all right. I love him so much. But so, yeah, he's Someone else, uh, I think, could be in the organic police. Who's I that? I just remember. Who, for some reason, I, I don't know why Matthew McConaughey brought it up, but Steven Tyler. What? Really? You don't think he'd be in the organic police? Organic heroin? What? Uh, what? Well, not anymore. <laughs> I mean, yes, he did go back to rehab. But yeah, he had a relapse. That was fine. But no, I remember watching. I don't know what it was, but they were touring his house. He has like a slide in there or something. He does like skincare. Was this a Cribs? Was it an episode of Cribs? No, I don't think it was because it was it's like it was recent. Recent. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't know well, I mean, why. he did clean it. He did clean up. There's no question about it. So I, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if everything that he puts into his body now is organic. And 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 I wish him the best. If he did have a relapse, that happens. God bless him. I hope he gets better, and I hope he recovers. Yeah, I thought he. I saw the news thing. No, he did. And and I, it's yeah, it's kind of <laughs> shitty of me to say that. So I apologize. Um, but yeah, I just he's not the first guy that I would think for organic though. <laughs> 
Well, I couldn't. I can't really think of any. That's funny. I can't think of any. Dave Matthews. Men. Dave Matthews. Really? Yeah. One of the most like sort of like earthy, organic. Which of course is why it's so ironic and horrible that it was his band's tour bus that dumped shit all over people because like his. Did y'all think it was the compost pile? Like what's going on? Well, that's that's the thing about it is like that is so. It's like the last band on earth that should be blamed for doing something horrible you know, like dumping <laughs> shit into water is Dave Matthews because they go out of their way to be eco-friendly and they give, you know, like him and his band, they give millions of dollars to, you know, uh, uh, environmental issues and stuff. They care about the right. planet. I mean, they really are a very politically and socially conscious band. And of course they're the band whose bus driver dumped shit literally all over people <laughs> in the lake or in the river. Oh God. I remember I'm that just story. also like, why did, did has anybody did they ever say why they decided because the asshole who they moment? hired they it was their bus but they hired some jag off to drive it and one of his duties was to clean out the you know the the the, the bus and to clear out the septic and all that stuff and he was like ah fuck it i'll just dump it in the river he was just some just asshole like, but we're in like a big city yeah this guy was clearly you know a what moron I mean? yeah like you can't just dump shit he said it was a mistake he said it was a mistake like oh i meant to hit the power break you know what i mean but i hit the dump which of course in order to dump shit next to each other exactly like it's you you have to it's not like one little switch and suddenly all the crap gets dumped out of the back of a bus you have to go through different things and you know what i mean like you have to go through steps and, you know, yeah. it, it's not like, oh, I'm going to hit this switch and mistakenly dump a pile of crap on people in the river. You have to know what you're doing and intently do it. Right. You can't go, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I, I'm sorry. I thought I put the car in park. Instead, I dumped shit all over people. You know what I mean? I wonder it's not if th- anybody saved any of the poop. Because they're like, this is Dave Matthews poop. So, it might be. Put it on it could have been. It could have been. <laughs> It could have been. You'd be like, I got, I know Carter, this is Dave Matthews. I, I would have been very excited about Carter. Us. I would have been very excited about Carter Beaufort shit. I would have been like, man, that's the best I mean, drummer be on like, the planet. This is a combo of all the Dave Matthews band, play, you know, band. And it surely had a lot, a of, lot organic, of money. A lot of organic stuff was in it. I guarantee you. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder like <laughs> if they eat healthy, they probably have healthy poops. Let them do the soundtrack. That's to, that they'll do the soundtrack to Organic Police. Oh Dave Matthews will do the God, soundtrack. They have to. They'll do oh. the soundtrack. All right. Oh no! You ready for more lies? Delicious. Yes. Eight percent of Americans. Eight percent of Americans have lied on their resume. Resume? I don't need no goddamn resume. That's that old story about my neighbor. Yes. Um. Eight percent. Um, I'm sorry, but I find that low. Yeah, that does seem low. <laughs> Doesn't it seem low? Out of, you know, I'm assuming a, a large swath of people that they asked. Eight per, it doesn't say how many, but it says 8% of Americans have lied. That's way low. That is way low. Yeah, whatever survey, that's, I think they're lying about lying <laughs> on a resume. Because that just can't be. 8%? Resume. No. You need no God damn resume i'm sure she lied i'm sure my neighbor lied on her resume when she made one eventually well yeah because she's like i don't need one i don't need no goddamn i'll resume. show you i'll, just I'll put show whatever you. on there. i'll make up all kinds of shit have you ever lied on your resume of course i have <laughs> oh okay yes. i don't think i have yes i did 
Um, yeah, I don't think I have because I'm I'm too I would be too scared. Well, they would I did it out. I did. And I'd be like, a, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I did at a specific time when I was actually using a resume because a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff that I've done in my career, I just kind of kind of fell bass backwards in. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but when I was working for a company called Cinebooks, I was an editor there mm-hmm. and a, and a film reviewer, and this was a company that used to put out these encyclopedic volumes of movie reviews where we would review every movie that came out that year. And then the following year, uh, it would come out as an encyclopedia. So it was like Mm -hmm. a, um, it was a resource, uh, a set of encyclopedias called Cinebooks. And when that company shut down, I was looking for another, but this was before I started at, at, you know, like regularly on GN, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, on, on the air. So, um, I started to look for jobs as like a writer or managing editor and stuff like that. So I padded my resume mm-hmm. because I didn't have much of a resume. You know what I mean? Like I got this job at Cinebooks simply because I was like reviewing movies on Roy's show. And they were like, oh, we like you. Come on in. So I had like no editorial experience, none of that stuff. So when the company closed oh, down, I, see. I was looking for, so I started saying, yeah, I edited a whole bunch of magazines and a whole bunch of books. <laughs> Weren't you worried that they were going to ask? Yeah. Like, for because don't they? I mean, yeah. I mean, it was. It's like it's like that's episode of um, Seinfeld where. Uh, oh right. He, he works uh, for uh, what is it? Uh, 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 Vandalay. Vandalay. Vandalay Industries. Industries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've never. Yeah, I've never lied on a resume. Okay. I've maybe probably. I mean, this. I don't know if it's if this but, constitutes its line, but like when under the duties, you just kind of like, I oversaw a group oh, yeah. of interns yeah. or whatever. Well, and it's like, yeah, it was just like one you know dude. <laughs> you know what's great though is, is uh, Esmeralda, did you ever, I, I, did you ever like have a, for, for any of your voice work, do you have a resume like for, for voice work or acting? Did you ever have like an acting resume or anything like that? Um, n- Not an acting, but I do, I do have a voiceover resume where like, yeah, yeah you put, what you've done sure you've, yeah the well i've done. I, as as someone who's directed a ton of plays i've looked at a lot of resumes for auditionings and stuff mm, and mm-hmm. um and i can always tell when someone's bullshitting me my favorite though is when people put down on their acting resumes when they put down like hidden talents that they have do you know what i mean <laughs> oh I you mean, i guess that works for acting oh no 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 that's a regular thing Esmeralda. that's a thing like it's like the what talents, yeah. Like I can, <laughs> I can, uh, I, I can sing the alphabet backwards. Would be on there, right? Well, that's, they would put like I could, I understand that yeah. for, for theater because you never and, know. And I never once put anybody on the spot until after they got the part, because I would never in an audition um... say, "Hey, you know, like, uh, well, I can, I can walk backwards and, and count to five thousand in Swahili." You know what I mean? Like, or whatever. I'm just <laughs> so I would never let make them do it during an audition. But if I cast them. Mm-hmm. If I cast them, I'd pull their I'd pull their resume out and go, okay, asshole, let me see you go t- count backwards in Swahili. You know what I mean? And then they go, I can't really do that. And I'm like, well, then of course, why'd you put it on the resume then? Oh no, it's true. I was like, I hired you specifically. For uh, that's that. exactly there is one thing in the thing. <laughs> that is, and that is my fear. Exactly. exactly. That is my fear that that would happen. I can, and I go, it was oh, stuff no. like you know I can wiggle my ears and it's like little mm. goofy shit that they would put on there to round out their resume. You know, like oh, you know. Uh, Interesting. Uh, you know, I was in Romeo and Juliet in, in, in London. And by the way, I can wiggle my ears. Like, that's supposed to be the killer thing. 
I played Hamlet in. Uh, I played Hamlet uh, with uh, Lawrence Olivier. And by the way, I can walk backwards and count to a hundred in Swahili. <laughs> oh, well, that gets you the part. Lawrence Olivier loved it. <laughs> All right, you ready for for uh, another one here? Yeah, I like this one. People trust bearded men more than clean shaven ones. Uh, we wait. Just reading what it says, Esmeralda. Fact. People trust bearded men more oh, than they clean trust. Sh- yes, okay. they trust bearded men more like, than clean the, shaven. I'm confused about the lie bit. Trust. So um, they think okay. people think that bearded pe- bearded men do not lie as much as clean shaven men do. Um I guess. Yeah, I'll go for that. I vote yes on that. Yeah, I haven't really met a Because I have I have man. a beard, so that's why <laughs> I haven't met a bearded man who's like that much garbage, I guess. Yeah. I like that, Esmeralda. We're not that bad. But also because, yeah, not everyone can grow a beard. So That's true. It kind of weeds out the... <laughs> I'll tell you who's maybe the... Maybe very uh, trustful people are the only ones who can grow beards. Well, you know how much I love a good bearded performance by an actor. Yeah. <laughs> you know how much I love that. Yeah. I, I love good beard. Like, like, I mean, come on, man. Uh, uh, Kurt Russell in The Thing... Jesus Christ. Mm. I mean, that's the greatest mm-hmm. bearded performance ever. It's a good beard. It's a goddamn impressive beard. <laughs> My God. Um, so, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, most honest character ever, R.J. McCready, in the thing, because of that beard. <laughs> All right. You know what? We, we My dad's here already to tell a joke. We've blown through this whole oh. thing. My God, we have more lies. I have more. Okay, I'll throw one more, okay? Okay. One more at you. People are more likely to lie when they are in a hurry. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to bother. Yeah. You don't want to bother with the truth. Because maybe the truth is longer than the lie. So then you just lie. There you go. And there's that line in uh, there's that line in, in Glengarry Glen Ross where everybody in Glengarry Glen Ross, every character in that movie, every guy in that mm-hmm. movie, a lie, almost a lie comes out of their mouth every line. In them. <laughs> you know, they're like real estate salesmen. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're so they lie constantly. Yeah. But Al Pacino, I mean, I'll Ricky. I'll tell you this much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was walking a dog today and someone asked me, are they friendly? They, what did they ask <laughs> you? Kept on walking. What did they ask you? <laughs> if the dog was friendly because they wanted to pet them. And I was like, no. And I kept nope. walking. <laughs> I want to keep walking. Right. I don't there need you to go. stand there here you while you pet this Proof. dog. Proof right there. You lie when you're in a hurry. Proof. There you go. I was yeah. like, we are moving. No. Keep and the going. line the line that Ricky Roma, the character Ricky Roma has in, in Glenn Garrigan mm. Ross and in the movie it's mm-hmm. played by Al Pacino, the line is, uh, George, um, always uh, always tell the truth. It's uh, it's it's the easiest thing to remember. So I that's mean, yes. <laughs> Dave, the the incredible wisdom of David Mammoth. <laughs> God. So there you're you not go. wrong. No, he's not. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, okay. Uh, uh-oh. Wait a minute. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Carrie. I Carrie. love Mitch. Carrie. <laughs> Carrie, if you don't have a joke, you have to leave. All right. There's it. Okay. She's got nothing. Got, she doesn't have a joke. She'll be outside waiting. All right. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. 
It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! Yeah. So um, my dad uh, tells a joke every Tuesday on uh, on the podcast. Esmeralda, do you remember the last time my dad did some serious acting with that boomerang joke? Remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could feel like the boomerang was flying around. Right. Hey, Dad, you don't remember Esmeralda was uh, was at the Jewel. You didn't remember it was her, did you? Oh, he's not answering. He's shaking his head. Uh, oh, all right. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, he does have a joke. Here we go. Bicycled into town to buy a bottle of scotch. I put it in my bicycle basket. And I'm sitting thinking, if I fall on the way home, my bottle of scotch will break and I won't have nothing to drink. So I decided to drink the bottle of scotch before I went home. Turned out to be a great idea because I fell seven times on the way home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, heavens. Some logic. You think you can get me to a hospital? I think I broke my ass. That's right. Wow, that was a good one, man. That was that was good. Oh man. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. That was pretty good, man, I gotta say. I fell seven times on the way. <laughs> All right, there you go. Well, there's my dad. Come say hi to him at the uh, Dunning uh, Plaza uh, Jewel at uh, Irving Park in uh, Narragansett. Uh, and uh, he'll tell you a joke, and you know he won't remember that you're Esmeralda, but he'll tell you a joke. So, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll do the organic stuff, and we are going to wrap up in the on the next uh, episode. We're going to wrap up the crazy neighbor stuff. Okay, uh, cool. Because we got some we got some some good uh, some some good stories from uh, our oh, listeners. Good. So we got some of those, and we'll get into that, and we'll wrap up the crazy neighbor stories, and then we'll get into the organic uh, food stuff. And if anybody uh, has any idea who should be in uh, the Esma Olas production of the Organic Police. What actors and actresses yeah. should play those parts? And anything else, too. Uh, you can be a part of the Nick D Podcast. A voicemail, 773-417-6948. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the great work and the themes and all that cool stuff. My thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. Check out radiomisfits.com for some of the best podcasts ever. Rate and review us. Take the time. Please do rate and review us on any platform. And sponsor, if you want to, advertise with us. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Uh, coming up on the... Uh, on the next episode, Dr. Keith Lipinski from AAW Pro Wrestling is going to join us. Big weekend next week for pro oh. wrestling. Uh, AEW has, a, has a, a pay-per-view, and they are going to be in town in Chicago doing their shows here in Chicago for a full week. And then WWE also has a pay-per-view the same weekend. So we're going to preview all that oh. and talk pro wrestling uh, with Keith Lipinski on the next uh, episode. Esmeralda, you're the best. Oh, thanks. And the you next time too. we talk... The next time we talk, we'll talk about uh, the uh, the crazy neighbor stories. And uh, you're going to Toronto. We'll talk a little bit about your little trip mm-hmm. that you're taking. So we'll talk about that, too. Okay. Thanks, Esmeralda. You rule. Thanks. All right. And uh, thank you to everybody for uh, checking us out here at RadioMisfits.com. It's the Nick D uh, Podcast. And, uh, see you next time. <laughs>